Hey there, I want to welcome you to Sacred Changemakers, the podcast where inspiring individuals share their own transformational journeys so that you can create your business breakthroughs and take your life to the next level. And most importantly, make a difference in our world. My name is Joan Morillow and I'm thrilled you are joining us for another inspiring conversation. Now we take a stand for change and transformation, but it's not just any old change. We believe in positive change with the potential to make a real difference in the world. We're talking personal, professional and social impact. So come with us on a journey as we go behind the scenes with people who are making a real difference in our world. Each episode will be diving deeply into topics that keep you inspired and at your best. Sometimes we'll be interviewing thought leaders, sharing tools and resources, and sometimes we'll be leading deep dive conversations, tackling the challenging issues of our times. Now, before I introduce today's guest, I want to ask a favor please go to iTunes or whatever app you're listening to and leave a rating and review. It helps us share our messages with as many people as we can and it helps our guests to get their messages out to more people too. So thank you so much for that. Now prepare to be inspired because I am truly excited to bring you our featured guest today. Our guest on the podcast this week is Runa Bowis. Runa is a former CEO and entrepreneur from Iceland, the founder of the True Power Institute, a think tank project created under the need to examine how we as leaders, entrepreneurs, politicians, and influencers understand and evolve humanity's relationship to power. She is also a CEO, coach, board advisor, global change agent, speaker, author, facilitator, and producer. Welcome, Runa. Go, Jane. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh. It is so lovely to have you with me on this podcast, my friend. Really excited about our conversation today. And, you know, just to begin, I want to really ask you kind of an open question because we're sacred change makers here. And one of the things we take a stand for is kind of change in the world. So when you think about sacred change makers, I mean, what is important to you in this space? I think for me, it's important for every single human being to understand that we make a difference and that we have the power to step up and not only steer our own life in a positive uh, and uplifting way, but also to take responsibility for contributing to the collective, which is more important today than ever before. Yeah, and you and I, we have had some great conversations around this over the years, haven't we? But I'd, yeah. lo I'd love to let our, our listeners know a little bit about you and, you know, your journey towards this kind of work and, and where you are today, because I know you've been in this space for a while now. <laughs> Forever. <laughs> well, it, it didn't start as an aspiration or, or, uh, or a dream. I became an accidental entrepreneur in my little home country, Iceland, mm -hmm. and uh, spent my first career, 20 years, as an entrepreneur where I um, was helping people. It's always about helping people, helping people uh, through the products and services I was offering. I was an importer, importing cosmetics and perfumes from various countries, mostly from France, 
and working at helping people really to both uh, have have a healthy skin, healthy body, uh, and and healthy confidence. Uh, I did that for twenty years, and then um, life changes. I had changes in my family as well as internal changes where I started to uh, to feel that what I was doing was good and I knew how to do it. I was successful, but it wasn't enough for me anymore. Mm. And uh, this coincided with, and I made the decision to sell my businesses. I had two businesses at that time. I had a retail store as well. And um, I sold my businesses and a few months later, my husband passed away. So I found myself in a very uh, different position than before. I was not a wife anymore. I was not a business owner anymore. Uh, I didn't have a job anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so I decided to listen to that inner calling, inner, I call it the roar of the soul, <laughs> uh, and finding out what, what it was that the soul was calling for. I knew there was something. I didn't know what it was. So I was invited to go to Santa Fe, New Mexico, where two of my mentors lived. And they invited me to come over with my children, um, potentially uh, both train with them and then work with them. And I did. And that was the the big shift to jump over the Atlantic Ocean and settle in the bubble of beautiful Santa Fe, New Mexico, where I brought the Finnish bringing my two boys up and uh dove deep into my own a healing journey and my own apprenticeship in leadership. Uh, in a way, I had spent 20 years learning to be a leader as a young entrepreneur with no experience and no background and no uh, MBA or anything like that. So, so I had that learning on the job and now I was learning other aspects of leadership. And uh, I spent uh, 13 years in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and then the calling came again from the inside that my time was up and I needed to step into the next adventure, which was moving to California. By this time, my two sons had gone to California for college and um, I came over as well. And uh, I have now been in, I started in Silicon Valley for a year. And then I've been in uh, Los Angeles for the last 10 years. And I've started a totally new chapter where it was more starting to go out with what I had now accumulated in terms of my own uh, inner self leadership and seeing how I could connect that to what was going out uh, on outside in the world. Yeah. Wow. That sounds like quite a journey. It really does. And uh, it sounds like you're no stranger to listening within. Did you call it the roar of the soul? Yeah. Um, to, to kind of see what is calling to you. So can you just tell us a little bit more about that? Because I know we're going to have some listeners that are thinking, yeah, but how do I do that? Like, how do I go within? How do I listen to the roar of my soul? How do I find my calling? <laughs> I, I think the first thing is to, to stop. Just right. to stop to pause. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and just give yourself some space uh, to, and listen. And listen, and you know, it, it, it's, a, it's a feeling in the, like for me, 
I now know what this was. I, I was missing my deeper purpose, even though I was fulfilling a purpose of helping people. I knew there was more I needed to dig deeper, but I didn't know what that purpose was. So it's, it's about uh, listening to a feeling or something that's happening on the inside that's making you feel not as alive, not as happy, not as joyful than you were before and start asking yourself the question so what is this what do you want my soul and the answer will come to you and it can come in many different ways maybe a book is placed in your hand or you meet a person that can change your life and that's happened to me my teachers have been just delivered to me through different people and changed my life but it is also about when you start hearing some whispers from the soul, to trust the whisper and have the courage to, to take some action towards what is being told to you, even though it doesn't make any sense. And the surrounding and maybe people around you say, you know, you're totally crazy. Like people in Iceland thought I was pretty strange to leave my country to leave my family and friends and and my company that was doing really well why would i give all that up but uh for me it's about tapping into that hunger that we all have for something more that comes from the inside and if people don't feel it i think they are um uh, they are not being honest with themselves. It's really about being honest and not looking for happiness or looking for their purpose on the outside, but really allowing it to come through uh, what's on the inside. And you will know when you're on the right track because you track it through your feelings. How am I feeling about this? Does it feel right? Does it feel flowing? It might not be easy. There might be endless obstacles on the way. But still, there is a fe feeling part of it that tells you that you are on the right track. And you need, there's one more ingredient, you need patience. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I know that space. My goodness, do I know that space. Yeah. And, you know, it seems to me that what you're talking about here, when you speak about like going within and listening and, you know, really following your calling really where it's leading you that this has got something to do with our title for today, which is shifting power dynamics through conscious leadership. It feels to me like these two things are aligned. I mean, could you speak to that? Because I know you work and have worked for a long time in the space of conscious leadership. Yes. Um, I, I believe we are all leaders, whether we realize it or not. Uh, you know, from the time we are little, we could be the oldest child in a family and we become the leader of the pack. We are leaders of our family, we get married and so now we have responsibility for our family, for, for maybe our community. Um, if we have a, a business, if we are business owners, then we are leaders of our business community. Um, I, I feel that um, we have all been brought up in a world that is a world looking at scarcity and living from fear and scarcity and uh, a lack and where the power that we uh, have bowed to is coming from a hierarchical system uh, some call it the patriarchy and this has been going on for thousands and thousands of years and women have been particularly 
um, bad off in this structure where um, the, the, uh, there are a few people who get the title of a leader who are dictating for the rest of us how we need to be. And I think what's happening now with this power shift is that the, we are moving away from this patriarchal system even though it's very slow and we are moving into a new era which is about partnership and this is nothing new because there have been times in history where we did this and did this very well where people work together in community and 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 connected and networked to uh to bring about social change and i think this is the this is the era that we are going in so for me first and foremost we as individuals have to take responsibility for being our own leaders and leading ourselves consciously from that inside out and then uh to start seeing how are we interacting with other people in our family in our company in our community are we ourselves uh, using power, because we are all using power every single day, even though we don't realize it. Are we using that power in that hierarchical structure because that's all we have known? Or are we starting to understand that collaboration uh, and connectedness uh, might give us a better result? And this is what's happening. And we see this in business through a new type of business models where instead of just thinking about the bottom line, and profit, we are thinking about stakeholders, meaning who are the, who are the different parts uh, of the ecosystem that need to be benefiting from the results. So it's integrating, uh, creating value, creating win-win situation, creating value for everyone. And that's the shift of power that I see. And that's coming, that's coming, uh, needs to be starting with ourselves how are we using power do we realize we are we are using power and how are we using it and then as a business owner or business leader how are we doing it there and then we come to our bigger structures like institutions and systems and networks and, and governments and how are we governing there and uh, i think we are seeing in our politics all over the world that things are shifting and the power of the people the voice of the people is starting to be heard more louder the the voice of the people is starting to roar right. and calling for calling for a different way of interacting and being in the world so i think that a lot of our structures uh, will be breaking down further and the reason for that is change the speed of change is so fast now that the systems that we have created and have been using over the last few thousand years is not able to process the speed of the change and the communication and the data that we are using to keep the system going. It's unsustainable. Mm. So that's how I see the, the power shifting to, in a way, a, a new infrastructure that we need to be building yeah. and is being built at the moment. And it's interesting as I kind of listen to you speak about that, I, I had this like realization of, and, and I guess it was an underlying assumption to what you were saying that in the structure, in a lot of the structures that we have, many of us are disempowered. Mm -hmm. So as you were talking there, I was thinking, gosh, the first thing we need to do is get our power back. 
That's right. That's exactly it. That's what the True Power Institute is about. It's to inspire the individual person to take ownership of their own leader within and then start to raise their voice and go out there and wield power wisely to be a role model for how to use power, educate others about how to use power, educate their children. Start with that because we need we need the new generation to come from a place of love instead of a place of fear. Our scarcity mentality is really coming from fear. And we need to move to the opposite of that, which is abundance, which is based on love, that there is enough wealth for all of us. But we need to work together to create it and to share it. It's interesting because when I think of leadership, traditionally speaking, I think of people that take a stand, that get their voice heard, that almost push out into like the workplace and, and, and make sure that their voice is heard. And there's a confidence and a, you know, kind of there's a there's a the traditional view of power is there. Right. And I get that. And then when you were talking at the beginning about answering the calling, it felt much more receptive. Can you just speak to that for a minute? Because does this mean leadership is changing? Is there a different balance of like, am I pushing out or am I listening? Like, yeah. What, what, what advice do you have around that kind of, it feels like a tightrope that we're walking. <laughs> and you, you, might, you come into something that's really, really important in this when you use the word receptive. Yeah. We have the, the patriarchy is, is based on pushing mm. and force, which yes. is our masculine side. Mm. And that's uh, being, and that's why we are all exhausted and all burning out because we, we seem to have, only been valuing and honoring and paying for people if they push. And right. this is changing. So we are needing to unlearn, to wipe out <laughs> what we have learned about leadership and start to allow that receptivity, which is the feminine part of us, to start to come in. And, and please understand, it's not about replacing the masculine with the feminine but it's allowing the feminine or invite the feminine to the table because in order to not only be sustainable, but to be regenerative, we need to have both the masculine and feminine energies Mm. working side by side, like uh, dancing the tango together, as I often say, and uh, using, uh, using either one, depending on what each situation is calling for. Sometimes we need to push more. Sometimes we need to yield. But when we are always just on the pushing, we create imbalance. And that's what we are seeing now. We are so out of balance with our extractive uh, practices uh, of just taking, 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 pushing, pushing, pushing. And the only way for us to shift that and change that and come back to balance is to start to become more receptive and to listen and to start looking at the patterns of nature. How does nature stay alive and, and keep going? You know, if we destroy our, uh, our potential of, of being on the planet 
the earth, the planet is going to keep on going. There are going to be things living here, even though it's not humans. Mm. So what is it that we need to do in terms of turning this around? So it's really about balancing the masculine and the feminine. And, uh, and what I see in terms of these new structures that are in the pipelines of creating new infrastructure for our human basic needs, like, like food and housing and energy and transportation and education and communication, uh, it, is, it is networks. It is networks of receptivity that are communicating and talking to each other and sharing and co-creating. Mm. Always based on the human needs. Yeah, I love that because what you're really describing there is it's almost like we're coming back to a perspective or creating conditions for the whole, the yin and the yang, the masculine That's and the right. feminine. So yeah. it is about that, that balance, that exchange, which is really important. Yeah. And, you know, having worked in organizations, you know, all, all over the world for a, a number of years now, well, a number of decades even, um, I can just imagine, like, I, I'm just imagining that you're kind of at the, the forefront here of bringing in a new paradigm for leadership. And I just wonder, like, what challenges does that bring for you and your work? Because... I can imagine that there are people that really get it and I can imagine there are people that really don't. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, <laughs> I seem to have uh, given myself the task in this lifetime to be always on the edges, <laughs> which is quite challenging. Um, I, I got the reputation in Iceland to be a trailblazer or pioneer Right. Because I came in with uh, marketing practices that hadn't been done there and it, it completely changed the, my field, which everything that I introduced there is now just the norm. Um, so it's, it's challenging because you are always in the, in the beginning phase of educating people and, and uh, bringing the communication out. And it's not always valued, not mm. always uh, attended to as, as it really needs to, but I have accepted that this is the role that I created for myself. So I'm taking responsibility <laughs> for that. And then enjoying the excitement to be able to sit at the table with brilliant, brilliant people. Like one of the projects that I'm working on now is in the crypto space or it's in the currency space. So it's literally, we are creating the next internet. Uh, that ecosystem is creating the next internet and, uh, and in a way, in a new communication highway, uh, Web 3.0. And I get to sit at the table with these brilliant people who see, who are seers, who are visionaries, who see patterns and, and look at nature and listen to nature and are learning from nature. But they, they are able to have this gift to see patterns uh, that can then be used in technology to help us to create these new systems that can process the, the fast-paced change that we are going through. So it's in a way creating an alternative lane for our infrastructure. So when, when the systems and structures we, we are, the track we are on now starts to crumble, that there will be another track that people can be invited into. Mm, and that. for me uh, to, to come back to the roar of the soul, and that deeper purpose, that to me is why I'm here. 
And so I have accepted to take with that all the challenges <laughs> and <laughs> obstacles that, uh, that stand in the way because the, the, the joy of being able to be a part of creating a new future, not only for my own children and grandchildren, but for all other children and the next generation to come, which is so in alignment with what the indigenous people talk about. That, that, that is enough for me. Yeah. So I'd love to ask you a bit more about that, that future that you speak about, because all of this work is kind of taking us and, you know, bringing forth changes and transformation that's taking us in a direction. And I'd love to have a sense of, you know, what is your vision for the future? What are you moving towards? What do you want for the world? I would love us to live in a world that is abundant, uh, where we are co-creating wealth for all, where we are not competing for resources, but we are collaborating and enjoying uh, doing things together, enjoying creating together, like you and I are creating here together mm -hmm. by having this conversation. Um, I'm, I'm looking for a future which is more about um, expressing, having the ability to express who we are and invite the uniqueness of every, every individual to be expressed out in the world where we are, we, we are all kind of equal. E equality is such a big thing. Justice is such a big thing. I want a more just world. I want more uh, equality on this planet. I want more honoring of nature. Uh, I want more honoring of each other. I want more honoring of every single living being, all sentient beings. I, I want a world that's not just based on humanity's uh, negative aspect of their egos. <laughs> I want a world where we have done more healing of our wounding and our shadows and are able to uh, live and lead out in the world from a, uh, 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 from our wholeness, mm. from a more balanced place. Yeah. And I love that. I mean, when you speak to that, that's something that really aligns with, with my vision for the world as well. And I think it's also something that's a key part of what we're doing here at Sacred Changemakers. Mm -hmm. And then I look at the world, I turn and face reality as it is today. And I, I kind of put it like over there. And then I, I have this vision, you know, we have this shared vision for the world over here. And yeah. I just see this big gap. And like, I know change, I know transformation as do you. And I'd love to get a sense of, you know, what you think is important in this gap, in this space, this process of change that we're going through here. And particularly, I'd love your take, Runa, on what you think the role of business and leadership is in this kind of great change, great transformation that we're yeah. all on. <laughs> Maybe I, uh, I answer the more personal aspect first. Yes, please do. I think it is so easy to be overwhelmed. And today we are dealing with the, corona the coronavirus, yeah. which is taking the world by storm and uh, paralyzing uh, institutions and communities and countries. Mm. 
and we don't know where this is going. But we can choose to stay in the fear that we are going to die from the coronavirus. Or we can say we have faced other challenges before and we have managed to go through it. I would say we need to, we need to take responsibility. Every single person needs to take responsibility for how they respond to the outside mm -hmm. and not allow it to take them into that fear and, and be paralyzed. So it's really, really important to use that inner power to stay positive, to stay optimistic and look at the positive aspect and what can you do to, to stay healthy and, and keep the people and those that you're responsible for healthy in this case. And this goes for all the big challenges we are facing, not to allow the outer big problems to hijack our inner peace and calm. Because if it does, we are not going to be able to do much to help. I think we help the biggest by keeping our calm. Yeah. And then we, we become role models and we have this presence that emanates to others that can help them to stay more peaceful and calm. And when we are more peaceful and calm, we, we respond and we solve issues in a different way. So it's really important not to, to get overwhelmed and, and stay on the negative side. In terms of businesses, I have been of the belief for a long, long time, and that's why I have spent all my time since coming to the USA, really, in, in, in leadership and, and business, and that is, I think the power of business is one of the biggest instruments we have to create social change. We need commerce. Uh, all societies are built on commerce. And the power of what companies can do uh, is so much greater than what the individual can do. And thankfully now we are seeing this happening. There are many great initiatives. I have been involved in the conscious capitalism movement for a long time. We now have Richard Branson with the B team. There is a B lab. There are so many companies who are now starting to uh, use this new business model, which are the stakeholders model, which is not just based on the extractive uh, practice of taking the most profit for the shareholders, but to create a business that is thinking about the health of the community of that business, not only within the business itself, but also within the community and then the larger whole of the world that this business is in. It's the employees, it is the, the suppliers, it is the, the customers, and it is the, it is the community, and then the world at, at large. And many companies are global anyway, so it has effect on everyone. But I think uh, a company can be a role model. We could use Patagonia, as a role model of a company that has had and is standing for social change by only creating products and services that are um, regenerative or, or healthy for the planet. And that is power. That is a company using their power in a positive way. Instead of just taking, 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 they are educating and they are creating things and tools that we need as humans, but they're doing it in a way 
in the, the least extractive way that they possibly can in order to, uh, to give us what we need, but also uh, take into account what effect that has on the environment. Mm. So I think businesses are immensely powerful and that's why by educating them and helping them to take a stand for uh, 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 being a healthy company in a way with a, a conscious culture and conscious products and services, uh, we make a big splash on, on the world. Yeah. Oh, it's so refreshing to hear you speak in that way. It really is. And, you know, and <laughs> as, I, as I think about that, I'm like, what comes up for me is what I know about change, right? What I know about sustainable change and that us talking about this and potentially even educating business and business leaders about mm -hmm. these things isn't always enough because mm -hmm. it seems to me what we're talking about and I'm kind of going full circle back to where we started about going within and the calling yeah. is that it's almost like leaders as people as humans mm -hmm. need to change their beliefs their value sets to be able to be more expansive. I mean, you use the word conscious, be more conscious and value different things because some, a leader who has a belief pattern that is profit, 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 maximize, mm -hmm. maximize, maximize the whole way, mm -hmm. isn't someone who's going to just kind of embrace this, this new paradigm of leadership. And so what I'm, what's coming up for me as I'm listening to you is Yes, this is exactly what we want. And there's actually quite a very personal and intimate change that we're asking of leaders. Could you speak yeah. to that in some way? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you are absolutely right. So we have come full circle. Yeah. Because it always starts with the individual. Yeah. And we cannot, we cannot say to a CEO, we demand that you change your mindset. Right. Uh, but I think the so society and what's happening in the world today is calling for leaders and leadership that is different from before. And those leaders who are not open to uh, what we call the growth mindset or expanding their mindset and, uh, and cultivating their worldview, meaning opening up their worldview, opening up the, their... Um, perspective of how to look at things. Uh, we could talk about inclusion and diversity as examples of what companies are having to tackle now because that's coming to them from all directions, the need for that. And, and, and many leaders say on boards, they don't understand. So it's been a really hard way to, to get that through. But more and more the people and that's why it's, it's so important that the people the employees have to stand up and call for what's needed and i think more and more companies that have leaders that are not open to these things they are falling behind in the competition they are not making decisions that are conducive to these new times that means that they are not, they are having greater trouble attracting the best talent, let alone keep the best talent. 
the young people, the millennials, the brightest people who are so much more open to this, they are looking for companies with a higher purpose that is doing something good for the collective. And if they don't find that, they go somewhere else. So the, the leaders and, and leadership of companies that are not uh, in a way um, jumping on the bandwagon of, of evolution, they're going to lose out. And we see many, many big, huge companies that are literally closing their doors. Toys R Us being one of them. I and mean, there is always something. So these are the big giant companies we never thought could go down. But they are because they haven't had leaders who have understood that self-leadership, inner growth and development is actually key for being a good leader. Yeah. So if you want to be the leader of the future, I would say take on the commitment to your own self-leadership journey because that's where you're power is and you need to tap into that and then practice using it wisely for your company and and for the world so it goes hand in hand and we see some of the best leaders of of companies today are people who have gone on this journey maybe not free willingly in the beginning but something in their life tapped on their shoulder and maybe created situations for them that there was no other way than to jump into their journey. And they did. And now they start to see the, the benefit, not only for them personally, but also for how they lead. Hmm. It also seems to me that, you know, what we're, what we're also talking about here is bringing in like new language to organizational life. Because as I listen to you talk, you use a number of words that I don't often hear inside of organizations. You know, so and 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 often, you know, in the C-suites of organizations, I hear words that are very masculine. They are about war, they're about killing it or, you know, like com competition and how can we beat people and how can we win and all these kinds of words. And as you're talking, I hear the the feminine power, I hear the receptiveness, I hear like a more expansive, a deepening of language and words that we use. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I am beginning to really wrap my head around is this fact that we change, we lead, we show up in the world through our language, through our words. And it, it seems to me that we need a different vocabulary in organizational life. <laughs> we, we do need that. And there is another thing we need. It's, it's about our language, but it is also about who we are being. Yeah. It is about the embodiment. Mm. And my, in True Power Institute, I've taken the word, word true and created an acronym. And so it's T-R-U-E, and the E stands for embodiment. Mm. It's, we, as leaders, we are not there to, to tell people what to do. What's, what's changing is that we are becoming more decentralized from a centralized system to decentralized. And that has, that comes also into companies. And uh, so uh, 
a really, really effective leader is someone who has a strong presence and embodies presence. And by doing that, he, is, he or she is kind of empowering others to be fully who they are and allowing them being who they are and understanding their uniqueness and directing them to, to work and tasks that are, are aligned with the gifts and talents that the, the individual has. So that individual has an opportunity to express them from their highest perspective. And uh, so it's not, so there is really a process to this. First, we learn the concepts and principles of, of this new, we could say, language. Then we need to do the practice, which is trial and error. We make a lot of mistakes. <laughs> and in the end, the third phase is the embodiment. And this is really uh, leading ourselves to mastery. And mastery never ends, as we know. But it's like any art, being a pianist or a skier or, or master at anything, the more mileage we do, the more practice we do, the better we become. Think of Tiger Woods. Mm. And uh, so that is really what I like to see people do. It, being a good leader today, being a conscious leader, and leading through conscious leadership is not something we do by taking on a, a weekend training or reading a book. Mm. It, is a, it is a leadership journey, a personal leadership journey we take on, first for ourselves as individuals, but then that starts to uh, emanate through to others, through our presence. Yeah. And that's power. Yeah. And there's, there's some, so what I'm hearing you say, and this isn't a new thing, but I'm going to build it on to it with something that's occurring to me as I'm listening to you, which is that leadership is relational, right? Yes. That's, that's what I'm hearing you say. Yes. Now in that relationship, in that dialogue, in that power dynamic with someone else, I can imagine that, you know, and, and I've certainly had this with some of my clients is that there's a fear here. And the reason there's a fear is there's an interconnection between them and somebody else. And just if they're going to have a true dialogue with somebody else, even just a conversation, yeah, there's so much uncertainty that comes into that because it's very different from where we've been in leadership, where somebody decides, this is what we're going to do. Here's mm -hmm. the control. I've got the power. I'm going to tell you, let's do steps one to five and you do this and you do this and you do this. Now there's like a certainty in the leadership role, which makes people feel safe. Now, what you're talking about in partnership is by the very nature that we're in this space between us and somebody else in this relational space, then I have to give up control because if I'm going to listen, if I'm going to partner, if I'm going to collaborate, I have no idea what this other person is bringing to the table. Mm -hmm. And therefore, aren't we talking about leadership that is way more uncertain? Uh, yes. <laughs> And uh, talking about words and language, right? <laughs> uh, they're, they're, the, the, the new words we talk about in leadership is really emergence, yeah. emerging leadership. Uh, uncertainty is there to stay. We, life is uncertain. We are seeing that, again, taking the coronavirus. Uh, 
we don't know what's going to be happening, but we still have to stay alive and, and, and face it and move through it. So uncertainty is something we have to embrace. And we have to learn that um, actually hold, thinking we have power is often an illusion. Mm. And it, that's not the true power. So uh, for, for instance, holding on to being right is mm. using our force and our control. Uh, but that's not really going to get us anywhere. So what's happening is that the kind of leadership that the new system, the new paradigm is asking of us is sense-making, is to sensing what is evolving because evolution is in charge. We are not in charge. I so <laughs> where, where is evolution taking us and sensing and listening and feeling into that? And uh, we, have to, we, we have endless problems. So we have to solve this problem and that problem. So the thing is, is, is making sense of the situation as it is now, looking at who is on the team to tackle this, uh, who can do what, who is best equipped to do what, and then assign those roles to, to people and then come together and see, okay, did this work? If it didn't work, then what do we need to tweak uh, to go another round? So it's not about creating goals for the next five years because none of us know what's, where we're going to be in, the, in, in five years time. It's about making sense of where we are now and where we see we need to go in order to stay alive on this planet and, and create a, a, a future, abundant future for the next generations to come. Yeah. And that feels like a cultural paradigm shift to me. It is. Because, yes. you know, just the very notion that we are not isolated individuals, we live within an ecosystem, we are interconnected with everyone and everything here. If we could just hold that belief, that perspective, and live from that space, wouldn't that make a big difference? <laughs> it would make a huge difference. It would make a huge difference. And uh, that is what excites me uh, about life. And, and I have recently become a, become a grandmother, like I know you have. And uh, it was interesting to observe my feelings and this, this search of responsibility not that I have to take care of them every single day, but, but of course they are now in my family and I, I, you know, this mother feeling comes in, you know, you want to, you want to foster your little ones, yeah. but it, it's, so it has kind of strengthened my resolve to be a contributor to, uh, to co-create the next paradigm that we are moving into, whether we understand it or not, or whether we like it or not. We are, evolution is shifting us to a completely different paradigm. Yeah. And we can choose whether we want to hang on to the old that is crumbling, or whether we want to enter into the unknown and into the uncertainty and get excited about what possibly might be there. Yeah. And what we can create. When we create, we are usually happy. Creative people that are, that are in the zone of creating, it, it makes them happy. 
And I, that's my experience with that. The more uh, I allow myself to be creative, the, the more joy and, and, and positive feelings I have. And I think that's a part of our human needs. Mm. I think that's really true. I do. And I think it's, you know, when we, cause it sounds like there's an inevitability to this path that you're mm-hmm. describing, that we're kind of going there anyway. That's right. <laughs> and so like noticing how we are in relationship with that, I think is really important yeah. because noticing, you know, I think one of the, the interesting things about us as humans is we have the ability to resist, right? <laughs> resist where the world is going, resist being authentically ourselves. You know, we can put some mask on and go out into the world and live our lives that way. So I think there's, you know, learning where we resist and, and really opening to, like you talk about, like, to me, that's like flow which is my authentic self, my true power, my truth, you know, and, and the sense of where my life and the world is taking me. It's a hell of a lot easier than trying to resist and dig my heels in and do what I think I should be doing in any moment. It just feels easier. So I love that you speak about this in such kind of profound and yet inevitable ways. Like we're going, are you coming? (laughs) And if we think about it like a river, yeah, uh, we can decide. We can decide whether we want to be in a river of fear, right? Or a river of love. Oh, yeah. And and you know, we have to understand fear is, is so ingrained in our system from ancient times, where we needed to be very observant and protect ourselves from danger. And our, our brain still has those memories and, and creates those responses of resistance. Mm. But that's exactly where the work is for us as individuals, is to start noticing it and not beating ourselves up, but say, oh, here it is again. Okay, but I don't need that. Uh, I don't need that anymore. I don't need that protection because there is no tiger coming to eat me at this moment i'm in a i'm in another time zone right and uh and go into to the river of of the unknown from excitement and from love and from uh, from from i would say the excitement of seeing what wants to be created hmm. because i think we 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 have we have so much potential and we need to give people hope and optimism. And that to me is really, really important. And that's why I tr- what I try to communicate through what I'm doing, uh, to, to focus more on the positive and on, uh, on the uplifting and, and, uh, uh, and encouraging people to, to, to start examining the power that they have within themselves, that they can use to for their own healing and benefit, but also how they can offer that to the collective, to the world. Amen. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yes. That's all I can say. It's like a huge, huge yes to everything that you said. My goodness. I've just got one more question for you, Rina, which is that, 
you know, you're, you're so giving, you're out there with you in the world, doing your work, bringing forward your contribution, which is so valuable. And I just wonder, like, how do you take care of you in all of this? I mean, how do you keep yourself inspired and full so that you're your best self to actually keep doing this work? Yes, yes. What I learned during my period in Santa Fe was to take care of myself. So I came from 20 years of entrepreneurship in Iceland and came out of that period as a workaholic mm. and entering Santa Fe with the understanding that that was something I needed to heal. So, so much of what I learned and trained in, in Santa Fe was um, that the goes into the conscious leadership work is uh, self-care, which is part of self-leadership. And uh, so practices like meditation, practices like Qigong, Tai Chi, uh, being out in nature, uh, all practices that I, I have um, diligently worked at, uh, where I'm now, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I have kind of a, a routine in my everyday life. I wake up around five, and I do some energy activation exercises to, to pump up my energy in my body. And then I try to go out just about the time that the sun is coming up, just to feel the energy in the air when the sun rises, to see the sky in different colors. And of course, I live in uh, Los Angeles, so the weather is... <laughs> It doesn't matter what time of the year it is. It, to me, it's always great compared to Iceland. <laughs> I can go out every single day. And I start by going out. And um, I used to walk. Um, for years, I've walked uh, every morning. Uh, I, I broke my foot a few months ago, so I haven't been able to walk. So what I've done is I've, I drive to a place that has a lot of beautiful trees and, and flowers and, and birds and all that. And I park the car and I put down the windows and I literally sit there and yeah I shouldn't forget when I'm on my walks there is a there is a tree stump I sit on and I use that time to kind of center my day to take in the chi from the nature the the smell the the greenery to to hear the birds to see the brightness of the colors and to fill myself with chi with energy which is the food for the day and that helps me to stay grounded. So that's, that's kind of my beginning of the day, which, which is my biggest trump, <laughs> my biggest secret. <laughs> and then, of course, throughout the day, there are things that are happening and, and you can easily get off balance. But then it's always about, say, breathing, pausing, taking a deep breath and centering yourself and focus on your belly. When you get out of balance is to remember that you need to bring the fire energy out from the, the, the uh, your top of the head and bring it down to the lower part of your body to, to, to get calm. Mm. Such extraordinary wisdom there. Really, really great. And as you were talking about yourself in nature, I, I felt like I was there with you, <laughs> you know, back in California, looking at the sun in the morning yeah. and just in nature, because that's my place. That's my go-to place. That's where I, find I can exhale, you know, and I mean really exhale in yeah. a way that I can just rest 
the fact that I have ground beneath my feet, that the air is there, that I don't need to tell the grass to grow. It's just going to do it through its own intelligence. Yeah. And there's something about that that is so, I don't know, I find that so inspirational, you know, especially in business, which, you know, can be busy and sometimes chaotic. <laughs> so I love that. That's why I'm a great proponent for business people doing what I did for, for close to 16 years, and that's going out into nature for a number of days on vision quests. Yeah. Yeah. Because that, talking about changing consciousness, changing worldviews, changing mindset, that to me is the fastest way for people to, to crack open their consciousness. Yeah. Yes. Thank you so much. My goodness. You have shared with us today, as I said, some extraordinary wisdom, you know, for each of us as individuals, but also for us personally, for professionally, in relationships, how we use our power. I just love your view of the world. And of course, we're so aligned. So thank you so much, my friend. My pleasure, Jane. Thank you so much. Well, everyone, what did you think? Remember, the purpose of a podcast like this is not just to make you think. It's actually to get you to take some action in your life, your career, or your business. And so this means you need to do something differently to get a result. So before you turn this off and get back to your day, take a moment and just write down maybe two or three things, maybe some action items for yourselves, things that you can implement today that will make a meaningful difference to you in your life or your leadership. Knowledge is not power. It is only potential power. What truly makes an impact is when you shift something internally so that you can actually behave in a different way in your life. So ask yourself, what do you feel inspired to do? after today's session. And if you would enjoy being in a supportive community to accelerate your growth personally and professionally, whilst also becoming a force for good in the world, then we invite you to check out Changemaker Society. This is our sacred community where changemakers from all over the world come together to help shape a better future for us all. And you can find out more about us at sacredchangemakers.com. We hope you've enjoyed our conversation today and we'll see you again in the next podcast. Lots of love, everyone.